in our uh, moving through the seven churches of Revelation chapters 2 and 3. Last week we looked at the church at Ephesus, which had slowly drifted and strayed from its first love for Jesus. Now today we're going to move up the coast 40 miles of the Aegean Sea, and we're going to go to the second church, and that's a little church. At this time it was a little smaller uh, city and a smaller church likely located in ancient Smyrna. Uh, today that little city has grown, and if I could take you there today, it's a, it's a city of several million people. It's actually the third largest city in Turkey uh, behind Istanbul and Ankara, Turkey. This is number three, Izmir, I-Z-M-I-R, Turkey, right on the Aegean Sea. Uh, again, uh, Smyrna wasn't as well known, uh, probably not as big at this time as Ephesus, and yet it was a well-known and stunningly beautiful city. Uh, Alexander the Great sort of adopted this as his second home. Therefore, he had a lot of influence, brought a lot of wealth. Uh, He kind of made this the model Greek city here in Asia. Um, He he built libraries and amphitheaters, and there was lots of culture there in ancient Smyrna, lots of pagan temples. Uh, This was a highbrow place to live back in uh, biblical times. Smyrna was also known as a hotbed for emperor worship. Here's what I mean. Uh, A few years earlier, uh, there were several cities that wanted to be the first to build a statue, which really became an idol, to the emperor Tiberius. He was one of the Roman Caesars. Uh, Smyrna won... The race. Smyrna won the lottery, if you will, and they were chosen as the one to uh, build this statue, which later became this idol to Caesar. Now it's the late 80s and early 90s, uh, right after in the AD time. And now, follow me here, they therefore, since they love their Caesar, uh, they pressured all the locals to join in. Uh, We expect you, which later became we demand that you join in us, with us, in our love and our devotion to Caesar. And starting under Domitian, it became more than just uh, voluntary, it actually became mandatory. And you will worship Caesar as Lord, you will declare Caesar is Lord or there will be drastic and dire consequences. So that's the background to what's going on in Smyrna. The Christians in Smyrna were already under attack. Uh, Jesus was not popular in Smyrna at this time. But now Jesus is going to write to the church at Smyrna and say, I know things aren't going well, but I'm writing to you to tell you your situation's about to get much worse. It's going to get even worse than it is now. So that's what we're going to read out loud together. Let's stand. Let's read together the words of Jesus to a group of Christ followers who are right in the middle of intense suffering and worse was coming. 
Let's read out loud together, would you? To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all, by the second death. Let's pray. Lord, uh, I'm grateful that uh, you don't turn your backs on your children when they're going through pain and suffering and trial and affliction. Thank you for caring. Thank you for reaching out to the church at Smyrna. And we realize, Lord, that you have not changed in 2,000 years. We recognize that you still care about your kids today, even specifically here in Walloon Lake, when we go through tough times, when we're feeling anxious and afraid. So, Lord, I pray for my friends who are here right now who are hurting and struggling. May your message to this church speak loudly to us in your church at Walloon. Lord, I pray for uh, the Golan family. I pray for Vicki and the family as George just this last week got promoted to being face-to-face with you. Lord, I pray for David and Betty Van Zahn. Dave's had a tough week, Lord, and I'm asking that uh, you might encourage and bring hope. I pray for Tim and Judy Walker who uh, are struggling and hurting. Lord, help us as a church family to rally around them. Lord, I pray for uh, Sherry and Ed Bradley. Lord, I pray for continued healing and strength for them. Uh, Thank you, Lord, for helping Bob through a tough week. Thank you that uh, Bob and Ruth are with us today, and I ask that you'll continue to bring healing to that throat. Lord, I pray for Jan and Ward as... uh, She continues to heal. Lord, give them perseverance. Um, Lord, we're grateful. You still know about each and every situation going on right here in your church. So uh, we're grateful that you care and you know and you're active and you're alive. And now, Lord, as we focus our attention on your book, we invite your spirit to take charge of these lips. Lord, give us ears to hear what your spirit has to say to us today. And all the church at Walloon said with one voice, you may be seated. The risen, resurrected Jesus had a message for the church at Smyrna. Look at verse 8. Okay? This is cool because he says, I've got some words I want to share with these churches. And this is my message to the church at Smyrna to the angel in the church at Smyrna, right? And we said last week that likely is meaning I'm writing, Jesus is writing to what we would call probably the lead, the senior pastor 
the lead elder there in Smyrna. Verse 8, write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came back to life. Uh, Jesus is referring back to himself. Uh, He's already talked about himself this way earlier in chapter 1. But now he's saying, I'm referring back to my sinless life. I'm referring back to my death on the cross, a Roman cross. And I'm referring back to early on Sunday morning, death is swallowed up in life. I was dead, but I'm not dead anymore. The death of Jesus is swallowed up in life. Uh, I, I think he's going a little further. Follow me. I think Jesus is saying, yeah, they tortured me. Uh, I want to remind you, they beat me with a Roman whip embedded with glass and metal. Uh, They shoved a crown of thorns into my skull. They jeered and spit and punched me. And then they drove spikes in my wrists and my ankles. Uh, Look at verse 8. But uh, I'm the first and the last. And yeah, they did that to me, but I was dead and now I'm alive. I endured some really awful stuff, church at Smyrna. But please note, my suffering, my death, has been swallowed up in life. I think that's what he's saying here in verse 8. And I believe that Jesus wanted to begin his short little note to this suffering church to tell them, um, you're going through severe persecution now, uh, and I know it's going to get even worse, but please know this, your suffering... And your death will also be swallowed up in life just like mine was. So so there's a message here right from the get-go. Verse 9, he continues. I know your afflictions. I know your afflictions. And I want to take a little bit of time and talk about the word afflictions. Because Jesus says, Church of Smyrna, I know... Right now, you're facing afflictions. Now, the word afflictions, track with me for a minute, comes from the olive industry. Uh, The word afflictions literally means to take some olives and put them in an olive press and crush those olives until the oil from the olives runs out and can be gathered. Does that make sense? You you would take olives and you would press and squeeze and crush them, and out of that would come the olive oil, which was what was very valuable at this time. Well, since I have no access to an olive press, I will illustrate with a much more simple device. Uh, This is called the original, okay, Not to be confused with the unoriginal or all the wannabes. This is the original lemon squeezer. Did you know that? Okay. Uh, And and what you do is you take um, a lemon, and I will demonstrate here. And uh, I practiced last night. Uh, and And you literally, any guesses? You squeeze, yeah. And as you squeeze, oh, yeah. We're talking good stuff. Can you see it coming out down there? Yeah. And just squeeze. Yeah. And, and I'm going to do one more for uh, this very fortunate person that I'm about to bless. Uh, 
And then you do it again, and you just squeeze. See, in case things don't work out as a preacher, I've got a future in a lemonade stand, so this is good. Okay. And then you've got to do one more very important thing. You stir. I have two packets of sugar already in there, because otherwise it could be a little sour. But I'm telling you, uh, somebody's about to get blessed. Who's a little parched today? This, this is first hand I saw right back there. Okay. You win. How are you? Good to see you. Yeah, tell me what you think. It's a little sour. Needed more packets of sugar. But I'm just telling you, add some more sugar there, and that is a delightful little drink, the original lemon squeezer, okay? Uh, but, but first of all, in order to have a delightful drink uh, as healthy and as uh, enjoyable, and I, I, uh, all the night long while I was typing out my sermon last night, um, I'm sipping on my lemon, my lemon drink. Uh, it is great, but except for the poor little lemon. Think with me now. In order for us to enjoy a delightful little lemonade, uh, something has to get crushed. Something has to get pressed. Something has to get squeezed. Now go back to verse 9, and hopefully you'll understand what's going on here. Jesus is saying, I know, church at Smyrna, you're getting the life crushed out of you right now. I'm aware you're getting squeezed and you're getting pressed. I know what's going on amongst my kids, my followers, in the church at Smyrna. Now, this was an awful time in history to be a follower of Jesus. I'm just telling you what was going on there. Uh, the Jews, apparently in Smyrna, look at verse 9, uh, were cheering and slandering and pouring gasoline on the fire and making things much worse for the church. Remember, this was the headquarters of Caesar worship. This is the hotbed going on. So right now, if you were a follower of Jesus in Smyrna and you weren't going to go along with worshiping Domitian as God and Lord, this was a bad time for you. But I want you to understand something. Today, 2014, there are millions of our brothers and sisters who are in similar circumstances to the church at Smyrna. Uh, did a little, a little investigation. Conservative estimates, give me your eyes, 100 million brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ suffer for the name of Jesus today. A hundred million. There are more people suffering today for the cause of Christ than at any time in all of church history. Now, part of the reason is the population is much bigger. I get it. But you just need to know it wasn't just something going on back then. This kind of stuff is happening now. And I'm going to list 15 of the harshest, most intense persecution countries in the world for followers of Jesus today. Um, they have a list, and, and I'm just reading from the harshest, most severe persecution, and, and these are people we should be praying for, Christians in North Korea, Somalia, Syria, Iraq, 
followers of Jesus in Afghanistan, Saudi Arabia, Pakistan, Iran, Yemen, Libya, fellow Christians in Nigeria, Ethiopia, Laos, Egypt, Colombia. They're not doing well today. You tracking? They're struggling. Routinely arrested, imprisoned, tortured, economically starved, and yes, even murdered because they dare follow Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. Here's what I believe Jesus is saying here. Persecuted church in Smyrna. Persecuted church throughout the world, 2014. I know, look at verse 9, I know you're getting the life squeezed out of you. I know you're getting crushed, but I want you to know that I know what you're facing. That's his first words, verse 9. I want you to know that this hasn't escaped my attention. I know what you're going through. And some of you might say, you know, Pastor Jeff, I'm not living in one of those countries. Um, It doesn't cost us much to follow Jesus here today. I'm not being martyred or starved because I'm a follower of Jesus But some of you might say, you know, even though that's not the case, I still feel like one of those lemons. I still feel the life getting crushed out of me today. It may be that you're here today and you have a family member who's wandered and strayed. And they're off living and in sin and and they're they're eating with the pigs. And, and today you'd say, you know, in the middle of the night I'm waking up and it's and I can't hardly breathe. And everywhere I go, that family member that I love and care so much for is on my mind. Maybe for you it's a medical condition that just refuses to go away. I talked to somebody yesterday. They said, I've been to every doctor, I've been to every specialist, and none of them have any answers. Maybe that's you. Tried lots of things, surgeries, drugs, and all these therapies. Nothing seems to be working. I think this, this is for you. Jesus has a word to say to all of his children uh, who are getting squeezed and crushed. Look at it. I know what you're going through. I'm aware of what you're facing, and I care what you're going through. Isn't that good? That's the first thing he says. I I want you to know I'm aware of it. And then he says, I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. (laughs) Please understand that these people that Jesus writes to are being systematically starved. They are intentionally losing jobs. They're having their businesses boycotted. Uh, They are cold and freezing in the winter. Why? Because they can't afford wood or charcoal to eat. Their relatives who are not Christians have written them off as dead. You are no longer family. You are dead to me. And their children are every night going to bed hungry and crying. They're living in poverty because they're followers of Christ. Jesus says to them, I'm aware of your getting crushed. I'm aware of your extreme poverty, church at Smyrna, and it hasn't escaped my attention. 
I know you're getting squeezed. I know you're getting pressed. But please receive these words from the risen Jesus Christ. Look what he says. I know what you're going through, and I understand, and I care. I'm aware, Jesus says, of that difficult marriage that you're enduring. I'm aware of that parent that's aging and isn't doing so well, and they keep forgetting things. And they're going downhill. I'm aware of the depression that some of you are dealing with today. Jesus, the risen, resurrected Jesus, I think his words still ring true. I know what you're going through. And I want you to know that I know. And I care. Verse 9. I know your afflictions and your poverty... Look what it says. And yet you are what? What? (laughs) What's he talking about? Uh, Well, obviously, he's not talking about money or material wealth. He's not talking about uh, money or stocks or boats or big houses. What's he talking about? Did you know there's riches that has nothing to do with money? Are you aware that there is a richness that's available. It's got nothing to do with fancy stuff. Joy, even when you're getting crushed. Track with me here for a minute. Holy optimism going on in my heart, even when the bottom has dropped out. There's a richness in that, is there not? Or being generous even when financially I'm being challenged, even when things, the funds aren't very good right now, but I'm still being generous, I'm just telling you there's, there's real wealth there when, when you can behave that way, even when it's not all that great financially for you, or when you're grieving and you're hurting, and yet you can still praise Jesus and worship him. That's riches that I want. That's riches that money can't buy. That's what he's talking. You're you're poor, you're in poverty, and yet you're rich. So, how do we go through grief and depression and financial stress and trouble in the family and health issues and 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 people around me who are mean and or how do we face getting crushed? and squeezed and still be rich on the inside? Good question, right? Go back to the text, verse 10. Jesus has a couple answers. First, are you ready for this one? Verse 10. Do not be what? Okay, a few of you got it. Verse 10 is the answer, okay? Do not be what? Do not be afraid. One of the most repeated commands in the Bible... We spent a whole sermon on this back in chapter 1 and verse 17. John, don't be afraid. Church at Smyrna refused to live in fear. Yes, you're facing some really bad stuff. Yes, it's about to get even worse. Uh, Look at verse 10, but do not be afraid of what you're about to go through. Really bad suffering. (laughs) Well, how do you do that? Okay, I'm going to start the most simple way I know how. You ready? When you know it's bad and it's about to get worse, 
this is the most simple thing I know. Jesus, help me out with this situation because right now I'm feeling really fearful. Lord, please don't let fear take control of my life. I want instead joy and peace and all the good stuff from you to flow through me. Amen. And you might have to pray that kind of prayer a lot. Okay? Second thing that Jesus says, go back to the text. Uh, Last part of verse 10, you're getting crushed, you're getting squeezed, you're getting pressed. Um, First of all, don't be afraid. Secondly, be faithful even to the point of death. Be faithful even if it costs you your life. And I'm telling you, he says, and I'll give you life as your victor's crowned. It's interesting, isn't it? There's a reward. Uh, Church at Smyrna, I know you're getting creamed now, but I want you to continue living strong for me. Track with me. Church at Smyrna, I know things are awful right now, but I want you to keep declaring Jesus is Lord and don't give in and say Caesar is Lord. I know it's hard, but keep on loving even those folks who are nasty and mean. Uh, Church at Smyrna, keep on praying for your enemies. That's what it means to be faithful. Keep walking daily, closely with Christ. And, and it also means I'm going to resist being unfaithful. I'm going to resist getting bitter and angry and throwing pity parties on a regular basis. I'm going to resist going on the attack and taking revenge. And I'm going to stay faithful. And it says, verse 10, look at it, there's a reward. There's a reward. Okay. So right now, let's just assume for some of us here, it's not going so well. Um, you're getting crushed. I'm afraid. How does a person go about stop stopping being afraid? How can I remain faithful when I'm getting squeezed and pressured and crushed? And I'm just going to share a very simple analogy. How many of you have your phone with you today? Can, I, can you show me your phone if you got your phone with you today? I, I, I suspect many if not most, well, I got a, I got a voice message. We won't play it. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, does it have a zoom? Do you have a camera? How many of you have a camera on, on your phone? Okay. Go, go to your camera, okay? Go ahead. You have permission, okay? Because I'm sure it was on your Bible app, and now, and now you're going to go to your camera. Now, now, with your camera, do you have a zoom feature on your camera? Okay. Okay, here's what I want you to do. You ready? Uh, I want you to zoom in on the original lemon squeezer. Would you please zoom, zoom on in? You got permission, okay? Okay, and, you, and you're right there, and you're zooming in, and you're nice and close, and, and you're ready to take a shot of the original lemon squeezer. I, I should smile because I'm sure I'm going to get a few pictures of this. But uh, here, here's, here's the deal. Are you ready? When things aren't going well, When life is tough, what do we just automatically tend to focus on? Where's our attention? Where where are we all about? We're thinking about the squeeze. We're talking about the squeeze. We're dreaming about what? The squeeze. And, And I'm just telling you, that's a recipe for fear and unfaithfulness. 
As long as that's all we're about, I'm all thinking about the pain and the anxiety and the hurt, and I'm zoomed in on the problem, and that's all I see, then fear and then unfaithfulness is coming. Because that's just a recipe for anger and bitterness, and suddenly now I'm just ticked. So here's the challenge, okay? Got your phone? Okay, get, get your phone back out. You, you, get to, you get permission. You don't usually get permission for this in church. We say, put it away. Okay? Okay. Now, now, now you're here. Now I want you to pull back. Okay? And, and instead of zooming in, now pull back and get more of the stage. Maybe get the uh, pulpit as well. And, and when we pull back, suddenly now we get a little perspective. Okay? Um, it may be, give me your eyes, it may be that Jesus actually has a plan here. Maybe the squeeze, the Lord actually has a purpose in mind. And maybe uh, the Lord is wanting our children and our grandchildren to see up close and personal their family getting squeezed and staying faithful to Jesus and not living in fear. Hmm. And maybe Jesus has in mind that a friend or a co-worker, they need to see Jesus shine bright even when things are not going well. And it could be that Jesus wants us to shine brightest when we're getting squeezed the worst and the strongest and the pressure is the harshest. You tracking with me? So suddenly now you say, uh, that gives you a little more perspective. And now take your phone, okay? Go ahead. You have permission if you're playing along, okay? Uh, And now pull back a little further. And suddenly now, you pull back and you see that Jesus was crushed for you and me as well. Make sure you get the cross in the picture right now. Because he understands and he relates and he sympathizes because the creator of this planet willingly left the glory of heaven and was crushed for you and me. Jesus was crushed for you and me. And therefore, he can sympathize and relate. He understands. Hebrews 4.15. So when we yell, Jesus, do you know what's going on here? Jesus, do you understand what I'm going through right now? And what's the answer every time? Yeah, yeah, actually, I do. <laughs> Jesus says, yeah, actually, I, I do understand. I've been there, and I've faced that, and I've endured that, and I know your affliction, and I care. And I care. One last time with your phone, okay? Uh, do you have a panoramic setting? I do on my phone, okay? So if you have a panoramic, I mean, that's like you back it all the way up, and, and you can get the big, big picture. Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Okay, this, this represents Genesis chapter 1, okay? Okay? Uh, and... Uh, this represents Revelation chapter uh, 21 and 22. And we'll be there in June, okay? So we're, we're going to take a long time to work our way through, okay? So now, Genesis 1 and 2. So I've got the panoramic view, and now I see Jesus speaks the cosmos into existence. Stars, planets, birds, giraffes. I really like giraffes. How about you? Uh, Mankind, and then quickly we blow it, we sin, we rebel, 
death enters. Uh, We already looked at the cross. That's the solution. Jesus becomes our substitute sufferer. And now I want to take you to the end because there's coming a day where death and suffering and affliction and pain are going to be dealt with. Uh, All the way to Revelation 21 and verse 4. And this is like one of my very favorite verses in the Bible. And if you, uh, if you get it in your head, it'll become one of yours too. Because this is what is coming. Got to get this in view too. 21.4, Jesus will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And there will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Isn't that nice? So that's like the big picture. Okay? Jesus Christ, in him, death will be swallowed up in life. Yes, that medical condition you're facing is bad. I get it. It's real. And yes, that job situation you're facing, it's not a good situation. And I know that relationship you're struggling with is hard and difficult. Jesus says, I know all that. I'm aware of that. I care about that. But that's not all there is. Church, you got to back up. You got to zoom out and look at the big picture. Because those things are real, but you got to look at the big picture. And you got to keep the big picture in mind. And here's the, the bottom line truth death is swallowed up in life in Jesus Christ. And if you keep your focus all right in on the pain and the pressure and the crush, it will crush you. Regularly, we got to pull back and look, oh yeah, Jesus, I think maybe you do have a plan here. You know what you're doing here. You do understand. You do sympathize. And this isn't the end. And the best is yet to come. Death will get swallowed up in life. The church at Smyrna needed to hear this. The church at Wallon Lake, we need to hear this too. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes. Lord, thank you for being aware of everything that each and every one of your children is going through. Every one of us who follows your son, you know you're aware of all we're going through right now. Nothing has escaped your attention. And I'm grateful that you care. Thank you for being able to understand and sympathize and relate to the struggles of life. Lord, thank you that as we cry out to you, that you rain down your grace and mercy on each of us in our times of need. And I pray now that you'll help us to daily pull back and see the big picture. For those who are obsessed and they're so zeroed in on the trouble that they can't see the bigger picture, help them to pull back, Lord. Help them to know that you know what you're doing even when it feels like you don't. Help us, Lord, to realize that you endured suffering at its extreme on the cross and you took on all of our sin. And help us to realize, Lord, you have a plan to get rid of pain and suffering and tears and mourning and even death. We rejoice that your son, Jesus, swallowed up death with life. Lord, bring hope and encouragement and build trust this morning in each of us. 
And now as the ushers make their way down front, Lord, thank you for this opportunity to give to those who need help. Lord, help those uh, in the community who need food from us. Lord, help those in the church family. May your applause be on those who give freely right now, Lord. I pray for those in need. May these gifts be a source of grace and mercy and encouragement. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.